worship service and we're going to commence by singing together the words of paraphrase 52 paraphrase 52 ye who the name of jesus bear and just to keep you all at ease don't worry i'm not preaching uh, i'm just here to hopefully lift the burden slightly of the reverend park he has a bit of a croaky voice and so just remember our dear pastor as he comes but uh, we lead uh, the opening part of the service all standing while we sing, please. We're not all standing yet, so just wait. We're ready to go now. As we do each Lord's Day morning, we 
consecutively read our way through the book of Psalms. And we're turning this morning to the Psalm number 44, reading some verses in this Psalm. And as we've said in the past, let's never just take the reading of God's Word as a mere ritual, but ever remembering that it is God's Word. It's a living, living Word. And just earnestly pray that the Lord will bless His Word as we read it together. Let us hear the Word of the Lord. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work Thou didst in their days times of trouble of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they that got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance because thou hast a favour unto them. Thou art my King, O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies, through thy name we will tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. Thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. And down to verse 23 of the psalm. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Thinking of that final verse, verse 26. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. One commentator said upon that verse, the psalmist has stated Israel's problem as clearly and strongly as possible. We might expect him to be angry with God or to lose hope. Instead, the psalm leaves him with trusting God even in his pain and disappointment. He made his final appeal not on the basis of what Israel deserved, but for the sake of God's mercy, his loving kindness. And as we come to pray, we cast ourselves upon the same mercy of God, that God would be with us, that God would hear us, that God would be present amongst us, as we come to pray, I'm going to ask our clerk of session, our brother Phil, we just ask you to remember Dr. McClelland. Dr. McClelland has been in hospital, he may still be in hospital, but he has had 
two particular strokes and just remember our dear brother Dr. Bill Woods has been unwell again to remember Ben Davison is coming near to the end of life's journey just remember that in the midst of her circumstances she will know sustaining grace of God do also remember Sister Margaret Davison they were on their way home from their holiday in Tenerife and Margaret took on well and she's now in the hospital there in Tenerife but it's hoped that she will get out and get home but we just love this dear couple in the Lord remember David praying for him and for Margaret that the Lord will just be with them at this time then also remember Daniel of course the grandson Daniel is in the Philippines Pray that the Lord will bless our dear brother as he is out there with Noel and the work of God in that land. And all the various needs of this congregation, they all have needs. We're just going to ask our brother fellow to come now and to open in prayer. Let us all pray. Father in heaven, we thank thee again for thy word to our hearts and souls this day. We thank thee that Israel could call on the God of her salvation. And that in bygone days, yea, Lord, even to this very day, thou hast kept thy hand upon thine ancient people. We thank thee, Lord, that their, their trust was in thee. When this psalm was written, their confidence was in our God and their hope was in Jehovah. We pray, Heavenly Father, as we consider the conflict in the Middle East, even in this very day, we pray that thou wilt be pleased to keep thy hand upon thine ancient people and upon this ancient land. We're conscious of the carnage of all that's taken place, of the hand of evil men that is against thine ancient people. And Lord, we just pray that thou wilt move in a mighty way thy wonders to perform. Grant that thou wilt turn the eyes of the nations of this world back to the God of heaven. We know, Lord, that thou art a gracious God and we have read of thy loving kindness in this passage and so Lord we pray that thou will pour out thy spirit upon thy blood-bought people upon those that know and love thee and serve thee even in that land we think of our friends from Ukraine and we're very mindful and conscious also of of their heartache, of the war that rages in their homeland. And again, Lord, we pray that thou wilt stay the hand of evil men, that thou wilt bring liberty, that thou wilt bring deliverance, and that thou wilt bring this war to an abrupt end. We thank thee that we can gather as a people around thy word this day and we long that thou wilt come amongst us and make thyself known. 
We pray, Lord, that in a short while, when our pastor comes and breaks unto us the bread of life, oh, how we long that thou wilt close the world out and close us in with thine offer of mercy. Give us ears for the word of God and give us an eye for thy truth. Give us those feet swift to follow after thee. We do ask, Lord, that thou wilt be with those who are in need this day. Thank thee for the life, for the witness, for the testimony of our brother McClelland. And we pray for him that thou wilt draw graciously near this very day. That he might be conscious that underneath, round about are the everlasting arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. And raise him to a measure of health and strength, we pray. We think of our brother Woods, who's been inflicted with COVID. We do ask, Lord, that you will draw graciously near unto him. We thank thee for the blessing that he has been to the church of the firstborn. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt undertake for our brother, raise him also to a measure of health and of strength. Think of Rabina this afternoon, and Lord, we are conscious that this life's journey is drawing to a close. Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God may draw near, that thou wilt minister in thine own unique way, and grant, Lord, that thou wilt be pleased to comfort and to console even the family circle at this time. Turn their eyes upon Jesus, that they might look full in thy wonderful face, Things of earth might grow strangely dim in the light of God's glory and his grace. We thank thee for thy hand upon our dear sister Margaret and we pray for David as well over in Tenerife. We, we pray that very soon, Lord, she, she might be let free from the hospital and that she might make that homeward journey. We pray for the blessing of God upon her. We thank thee for the encouragement that's this couple have been to the work of God here in Hebron. We do ask, Lord, that thou wilt bring them home safe and sound. We think of Daniel as he seeks to serve thee in the Philippines. Grant that thee he might be a blessing even this day as he labours in the word and as he endeavours to encourage our brother Noel in the cause of Christ in the Philippines. So, Lord, we look to thee this day, very conscious, Lord, that we need the Spirit of God to move amongst us. And so, to this end, we pray for a manifestation of the Spirit of God as we gather this afternoon around thy precious word, very mindful of the need of our pastor. We think of this sore throat and the cough that he has. We pray, Lord, that as he in a short while we'll come and open up the oracles of God. As he'll stand at the sacred desk, preach the whole counsel of God. We pray that thou wilt be mouth matter, wisdom unto him. Give him the mind of Christ this afternoon. And grant, Lord, that as he ministers and labours in the word, that he might do so with the unction of God, with the power of the Holy Ghost, Grant, Lord, that he might be God's messenger with God's message in God's moment. 
So speak to each and every heart and soul, we pray. And if there be any amongst us who are strangers to grace and to God, grant that this might be the very day when the arm of the Lord might be made bare and they'll start out for heaven and for home. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Thank you, Phil. I'm going to turn to the hymn 462. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Standing again while we sing, please.
Phil and to Mervyn for helping out at the start. I just feel if I, I don't cough, I'll be all right. So if you have a prayer to make on my behalf, just pray. Don't, don't let the pastor cough. There's other people coughing. I hear it uh, throughout the church. We welcome you in the Savior's name to God's house today as you worship with us. If you're visiting, we're glad to see you. And we do miss some members today. We're reference made to Davy and Margaret. I've uh, been speaking to Davy over the past couple of days, and Margaret actually had a fall at the airport, hit the back of her head, and had to go to hospital as a result. And so scans and things needed to be done. But our thoughts are with them. If you're joining us on the internet, we also welcome you in the precious name of the Savior. And I want to run through the announcements. I'm doing the announcements, number one, because nobody likes to do it. And uh, secondly, there's a few extra that I want to run through with you. So tonight is the gospel service at seven o'clock. And there is a question, can I be forgiven? That's what I want to preach on tonight. And remember the prayer time at 6.30. There will be light refreshments, which will be served after the gospel service. In the morning, Hebron Tots meets at 10 o'clock. Tuesday night, seven o'clock is the youth challenge. And on Wednesday, there's a wedding taking place of Aaron and Lauren and that will be in Kilcluny Parish Church in Market Hill. So on behalf of the congregation here, the Hebron Church, we wish them both God's richest blessing and the families, of course, that are concerned. Thursday night is the midweek at 8 o'clock. I hope to be here to preach, and there'll be special prayer for the Christian school. <coughs> Friday is Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock. Friday is also presbytery in Money Slain for our elders. Saturday morning is the open air in the center of the town, 11 o'clock. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock, Sunday school at 10.30. Bible class, 10.45. And Phil will be taking up the subject, Pilgrim's Problems Dealing with Depression. That will be the first message. Worship service, 12 noon. The family night service at 7. Charlotte Cahey from Port of Ogie will be here to sing. I'll be here to preach. And ladies, if you can help with half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns, we'd appreciate that. Can I mention that there is a recording for Let the Bible Speak in Lurgan on Monday the 6th of November, and we need to supply a congregation for that. We're asking you to come, put your name on the list that is provided so that we can be certain that you'll be there. Uh, we do need a congregation. You can't really broadcast and film if there's nobody sitting in the pews. So I'm one of the preachers, and the churches that are involved are asked to bring people with them. This will likely be the last time going to Lurgan for this kind of meeting. As you know, the new facilities have been obtained not too far away from us in Ahaho, and the broadcasting will be done there from now on. There will be a Hebron work team on the 11th of November. We mentioned this so you can put it into your diary. There's work to do in and around the church. <coughs> Anyone seeking church membership, please see me as soon as you can. Uh, at the Lord's table is the place where we receive new members in, and that will be in January. Wasn't able to be with you on Thursday night for I was Newton Ards. We did send the video report, but just want to thank you again for praying for the trip uh, that we had to Romania, for the team that went. We visited the Deborah 
house, spent time with the girls. They showed, especially those that had never been before, around the premises. There are greenhouses there growing fruit and vegetables, and then there's a number of apple trees. They're able to supply their own apples for their consumption, and they did a marvelous job. This was quite an undertaking to make up 230 gifts for children, and uh, the weather was lovely, able to do this outside, and the girls received a gift as well, and we were able to take them to the shopping center to get something to eat. Uh, Phil will be very proud of the cup that says KFC there. There's a KFC, uh, so you'll not starve if you go to Romania. We did this, and you heard about it. We went into the center, and we sat down at the piano, and the girls sang. I think we sang all the seven songs that we knew people were passing by. So it was a witness in itself. And then we had time with the Rekash School. Daru does a, a tremendous work there. That's Daru on the left-hand side with, with the beard. And all the children received their gifts as well. Mentioned to you that we, we met this man. He came to see me after the service, one of the services in Bethany. And he said, I was in Northern Ireland. It's about 30 years ago. He was a boy from the Rekash School. And because Daru went in and preached the gospel, because of the influence that he had coming here, Dr. Barnes bringing them over, uh, it had a great impact upon his life. And this young man came to trust in Christ as a Savior and just recently has started to attend the Bethany Church. So it was lovely uh, to meet him. We had the, the times of fellowship at the hotel when groups came in, and Lois was especially uh, a blessing to us as she played the violin so professionally. Went to Multimanoa. You know the conditions. That's the homes that the people live in. Uh, very, very poor people. But they were delighted to get their gifts. All their shopping was done. Two ladies went out and did that and uh, brought the various things to the colony. We visited Florica and her family. They got their gifts as well. And we had the opportunity to preach the gospel everywhere we went, and not least to these children and some of their parents that came along. We spent last Sabbath day in the Bethany Church. Things that were not in the report, um, two of them I'm going to explain, and the other two you can ask about. So the first one is where Florica lives. You can see the kind of transport that they have, quite typical gypsy transport, the uh, cart in the background, and they have a horse as well, and two of the boys here uh, just peering through the window. This was, this was a lovely thing because in the shopping center, this young lady came up to us and we knew her. She was one of the Deborah House girls and she's now working in the shopping center. Um, what do you call it? It's a bubble tea. Is that, there's a stand there with bubble tea and she's actually the manager of it. So she's done well and it was lovely to see Silvana again. So that's the two explained. This one, Sean will explain to you. All right. There, there is a story behind that, a very, very interesting story. You asked Sean what that's about, or anybody else that was there. And then the cake as well. There's a story to tell. You can ask anybody, but there's two men that you could ask. I want to give a quick update from Kirsty. Uh, she writes to us with this update. In the past week, my church partner Jonathan and I traveled down to Brighton to help West Hill Baptist Chapel with their holiday Bible club. Thursday was the last day of the club. On Friday, we traveled back to Welshpool, the church where we serve in, 
to get ready for their holiday Bible club this week. We have been teaching the children the story of David's mighty men. Everything was made by hand. We built the set, paint, saw, hammer, and made everything from scratch at the church. Can you thank the congregation for their prayers? And please continue to pray as we head to uh, Welshpool on Friday for our next one. Thank you. And just some of the photographs uh, that she sent. This is the work that they've done on site. A lovely day on Thursday, Wednesday morning at the school. Had the harvest service with the children. That's the little ones taking part. And then the school itself singing. And the recorder group playing to us and the congregation that came along. I have a very important announcement to make just now to the congregation, and it is to do with the election of elders. As you know, we've been seeking to do this for some little time, and the date has now been officially set for Monday the 20th of November at 8 o'clock. A list of communicant members eligible to vote has been posted on the church notice board, and a list of men eligible to vote for has also been posted. I wanted to check those lists. We're not infallible. Mistakes can be made. Maybe your name should be on it. Maybe your name shouldn't be on it. But uh, check the list. And if there's any queries, please see me. If there are any men, for whatever good reason, uh, feel that they want to withdraw their name from the list to be voted for, again, please see me. We'll bring that to the Kirk session and uh, we'll make a decision on that with you. Please continue to pray for the ones that we've mentioned together with those that are on the prayer list and for everything that's happening in Ukraine. I say often, and I want to say it again, we don't forget our friends here and the suffering and the, the war. I think everything's being taken up now with Israel, but the war is still going on in Ukraine and people are being killed and we feel for them. We want to remember Israel very much in prayer. And I want to just read to you a message from Hannah. Hannah is a Jewish guide that is used by many of God's people here in Northern Ireland when they do their tours. She's a Messianic Jew. She loves the Lord. She knows Christ as her Savior. And she says, it seems the whole world, aside from God's remnant, is siding with those who decapitate babies, rape and burn people alive. It is the end of morality. It has brought out the anti-Semitism just under the surface that has been brewing for years. It is not about Israel as a nation. It's about the deep hatred of the Jewish people and beyond that, the Lord himself. It's the beginning of separation between the sheep and the goats for nations and individuals. The Lord is with us and will give us the victory. There is no way that we can live side by side with Hamas we gave them Gaza for the sake of peace. They have spent all that aid on the terror tunnels, hoping to destroy us, but they will fail. We are standing on Isaiah 41. As for hum humanitarian aid, please believe me, it will never reach the innocent. Hamas controls the Rafah border. They admitted to having 100,000 or more liters of fuel. My friends, my, my friend has started an initiative called Adopt a Hostage. The idea is to choose one hostage and pray for that person. Here's the link to see their faces, and I have that link. And uh, she gives us warning, you'll never be the same again. Please pass it on. Your prayers, your prayer moves mountains.
And I just a little, it's a one-minute recording uh, that was recorded a number of days ago by Hannah, and I'm going to play it to you now. Hopefully, we are able to hear. Long ago, when I was a child, I asked my father about the Great Depression, when everything shook in America and people lost everything and people jumped from windows and terrible things happened. And I said, he was a child, I said, what do you remember about the Great Depression? And he said, I remember that the sun still rose. And that's sort of the way I feel this morning. We have been shaken, we are in mourning, we have been torn. What's ahead of us is beyond our imagination. Those sitting in captivity, we are grieved beyond grief for. And I'm thinking, but the sun still rose today. And the Lord is still on his throne. And we will look to him. And he will be glorified somehow, some way, and in his own timing. Be glorified, be lifted up, God of Israel. To Isaiah 41. Just let me read you these verses. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as the thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thy worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers and high places, and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water, and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and shed a tree, and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. Amen. Tithes and offerings will be now lifted. I'm going to sing together the words of hymn 615, The Church is One Foundation. Just before we sing the hymn, can I just make one additional announcement in relation to our Remembrance Day service? We plan, Lord willing, to have our annual Remembrance service on the 12th of November, uh, as we have been doing over the last number of years. And if you have been uh, involved in that, in laying uh, the, uh, the laying of the wreaths, uh, it will be the same as this year. If I haven't seen you, 
before you leave church this morning, take it that we need you to be with us on that occasion. And we encourage you all to join with us on the 12th of November, the evening gospel service, as we remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. And we'll remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn, please. be seated. In welcoming everyone, we welcome visitors from Dundee, particularly, who are here with Yule and Arling, and we want you to feel at home and be blessed as a result of coming here today. And one announcement to rectify, there's no Hebron tots in the morning. They're off because of half term. Now let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 10. <coughs> Mark chapter 10. 
reading from verse 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would you that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on my right hand and the other on my left, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know <coughs> that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Ending our reading at verse 45. Let's unite together in prayer. <coughs> Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you for this time of worship when we can come and present ourselves before the Lord and give to thee the, the honor that is due your name and to think about the Lord, to sing the songs that we've sung together that lead us to so many spiritual truths. We thank you for your precious word and what we're going to learn from it just now. We pray for that physical strength and ability, as well as spiritual power to bring the message. We pray that you'll help the congregation just to settle down into this meeting now in the closing part around your word, that we might be fed, that we might be taught, that the Spirit of God will be our instructor, things that we need to know, must know, applied to the heart by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We commend ourselves to your grace we pray for help in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The title of the message, and I think you'll gather this from the verses that we've read together, is selfish ambition or carnal contention. From time to time, contention arose among the disciples of the Lord, and they became ambitious in a way that they ought not to have been. And we see that happening a number of times during the earthly ministry of Christ. Just goes to show that even the best of men can have wrong thoughts and wrong ambitions. James and John were good men. Of course they were, but they were not perfect. Here they are contending for position. 
indeed a high and an honored position. Now, there's nothing wrong with a good godly ambition to be great for God, to be an instrument in the divine hand for good, to be a minister, to be a missionary, to be a church worker, to be an officer in the house of God, to be a great pianist or an organist, to be a soul winner, to, to live a godly life, to live, as McShane put it, as holy as it is possible for a pardoned sinner to live. But with it all, we need humility and self-abasement and lowliness of mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we know the Savior stooped at the disciples' feet in great humility to wash their feet. Never strive to be above others, to sit in the highest places. So we want to learn some valuable lessons from James and John as we approach the subject today. What do you think, first of all, about the approach of the two disciples? Uh, and mark what we read there in verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and underscore this little sentence, this little paraphrase, come unto him. James and John, come unto him. We, what we read here is good as far as our coming to the Savior is concerned. It ought to be encouraged. James and John came unto him. And we still, in a very powerful way, come unto Christ in prayer at the throne of heavenly grace. It's the right thing to do. It ought to be the daily habitual practice of the Lord's dear people to do what we read about here, to come unto Christ. This is fellowship, you see. This is prayer. This is the, the secret place where we get alone with God. This is time well spent. And of course, we can see the public seasons here as well, for Jesus talked about even two or three being gathered together in his name, that he's right there in the midst of that gathering. We ought to have strong desires for the presence of Christ. Where Jesus is, that's where I want to be. If it's at the worship service, the gospel meeting, the Thursday night meeting, if it's at the gospel missions that we have or conferences that we have or our own quiet times at home, if Jesus is there, that's where we ought to be. Let it be written of every true child of God in this house that we come unto Him every day find time to come unto Him. Every day, find a place when you can get alone with God, where you can approach the Lord. It's so essential for the, the spiritual well-being of every Christian. As James and John approached the Lord on this occasion, it was with a general request. We would that Thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Now, on the surface of it, there's nothing wrong with this request. We have desires. They're coming with a desire in their heart. We have burdens of heart which we carry. Those matters that weigh very heavily upon us as the people of God. And we want the Lord's intervention. 
And so we should come with our desire to him. Indeed, our Savior, the night before the cross, would, would emphasize this very thing. Turn for a moment to the Gospel of John and the chapter 15. And this is the talk that the Lord is having with his disciples the night before he died. Chapter 15 and verse 7, If ye abide in me, says Jesus, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Mark verse 16. Look at it carefully. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And again, the Lord mentions it in this same talk with the disciples in the next chapter, in chapter 16, verse 23. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Turn for a moment also to Mark chapter 11. We're in Mark chapter 10, so it's the next chapter, and we'll eventually come to these words. But I want you to mark what verse 22 through to verse 24 says. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire. I want you to mark that word. What things soever ye desire. When ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The Lord is coming here in this passage too to strengthen the faith of his disciples. They had just witnessed the drying up of the fig tree from the roots after the Lord had cursed it. Peter draws attention to this scene, and the Lord encourages his faith and the faith of the other men by these tremendous words. Never forget them, dear Christian, in the place of prayer. Ask the Lord to increase your faith, faith that moves mountains, because this is the promise of Christ. The Lord is able to do all things. I can't help but think of what we read in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask, or think, isn't asking a key part of prayer? Yes, there ought to be worship. There ought to be adoration. There ought to be praise, but prayer is often supplication. It's beseeching the Lord for those things that are near to our heart. And, and these men are coming to the Lord with a desire. But I want you to notice, secondly, the attentiveness of the Savior. Mark, verse 35, again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? Oh, this is remarkable. This is how the Lord encourages us all at the throne of grace. What would you that I should do for you? And maybe the Lord is saying that right now to you, 
gathered in this building in a very personal way. You've come to God's house with, with burdens weighing upon your heart. And maybe you're broken as a Christian because of something that's happening. And you're troubled and you're, you're tossed to and fro with the troubles of life. And you're weighed down with many a care. You have burdens in your heart. Some, some straying loved one gone far from the Lord. Some family trouble that is really grieving you at this moment. Some crisis of a deep nature. Some, some problem even with another Christian. Some personal matter. It's just something that you can't work out by yourself. And nor should you try to do that. And you feel compelled to bring it to the Lord and spread the matter at His feet and call upon Him in your, your time of trouble. That's what the Bible saints did. They came to the Lord with their desires. Abraham, when Sodom was about to be destroyed by the Lord with fire and brimstone, remember how he stood on before the Lord in intercessory prayer, pleaded for that place with an eye to his family who were living there. Moses, when the people needed water and there was no water and they were ready to stone him and kill him, what did he do? He came to the Lord with his burden. Hezekiah, when Sennacherib threatens his kingdom, what did the king do? He went up to the house of God and there in God's house, he just, as the Bible says, spread it. He spread it before the Lord. Hannah, in her barrenness, she went to the tabernacle and wept bitterly before God. Solomon, as a young man, ascending the throne, feeling his weakness, feeling himself to be but a child, asked the Lord for wisdom. You remember that? Elijah, when he prayed for rain after three and a half years of drought, going up to the top of Carmel, putting his head between his knees and crying to God that the rains might come. The early church in crisis times, like when Peter was held in prison, what did they do? They shut themselves away in the place of prayer. And dear Christian, we have our needs, don't we? We have our burdens. We have our desires. And, you know, Jesus is still saying to us, what would you that I should do for you? Now, the problem arises when we ask for selfish things. James talks about unwise prayers. Ye ask and receive not because ye, ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. That, the thought of that word amiss means you ask with the wrong motives. That's when the problem arises. And so I want you to see in the third place the ambition of the two disciples. Look at verse 37 <clears throat> of Mark chapter 10. They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. They wanted a place of high importance. Indeed, they wanted the place of prestigious prominence, the place of honor, was the seat at the right hand. And the second place of honor was at the left hand. We know that even from, from what we read in the Scriptures. I can give you the references, and you can look them up. First Kings 2 and 19, 
where we have uh, Solomon bringing his mother Bathsheba to sit beside him on the right hand, on the right seat at the throne. And then in the Psalm 110, verse 1, where we have Jehovah God and the Son in conversation, the one with the other, and he tells him to sit at his right hand. It's the place of prominence. And these men are saying, we want to occupy the highest place in glory. We want to be next to the Lord. Now, whether they meant in Jerusalem, still thinking at that time that the Lord was going to, to set up an earthly rule or heaven itself in the eternal kingdom, that's not the issue. The fact is that they wanted the two most highest places in Christ's kingdom. It was an unwise petition. There was no humility in that request. We ought to walk humbly with our God. What does the Lord require of us as we walk in this world? It is very succinctly summarized by the prophet Micah in Micah 6 and verse 8. What does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? And that's the only way to walk as a child of God in this world. We want to do right, to do justly. We want to love mercy. We want to have that heart of, of kindness and loving kindness. And we certainly want to walk in a humble way with our God. Jesus taught in his ministry to take the lower seat. You remember that? We have this mentioned in Luke chapter 14 and verse 10. When thou art bidden... Go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then thou shalt have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. Going to a feast, instead of wanting to sit in the most prominent place where you're going to be seen, take the lowest place. And the man who gave the invitation, when he sees you there, and he believes you should be somewhere else, let him do the bringing to the higher seat. That's what the Lord was teaching his disciples. In fact, Christ himself is our greatest example when it comes to humility. I'm sure you're all familiar with Philippines chapter 2, these, these marvelous words where I mentioned earlier, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's verse 5. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then it goes on to speak of how God then highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. And there is a text, just as we Think about humility for you and I to keep in mind that is mentioned in James chapter 4 and verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Now, that's a good motto to live by. You see, positions and places of prominence are not for ours to demand or for ours to ask 
for or even to expect, as we shall see from the Lord's answers. And maybe this message is not coincidental, having announced our forthcoming election for, for the elders, which will take place in about four weeks' time. Now, it's not wrong if you believe that you have the qualifications to be an elder. It's not wrong to, to desire such an office in your heart. In fact, it's not what Timothy tells us, or in 1 Timothy, Paul writing to this young man in chapter 3, verse 1, when he says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, and that's the office of the elder, he desireth a good work. And then he goes on to outline the qualifications which we will come to, to preach upon over the next little while. So it's not wrong to desire it, but we ought to leave it with the Lord. He makes no mistakes. God has ordained the means whereby such positions will be filled. But let's not put ourselves in the place that He hasn't ordained for us and accept the outcome with humility, the ambition of the disciples. Look at the answer of the Lord. We come back to Mark chapter 10 and verse 38. Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? Be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to him or them for whom it is prepared. You don't know what you're asking for. That's what Jesus said to these men. Can you drink of the cup that I must drink of? That was a cup of suffering and shame and sorrow. The disciples answered in the affirmative, yes, we can drink that cup. And the Lord gives consent to that, to the fact that they would suffer that persecution would come. His disciples would suffer imprisonment and beatings and stonings and, and martyrdom. James, he would be the very first disciple to be beheaded. In Acts chapter 12, we read about that. John, he may have been the only disciple that didn't suffer actual martyrdom, but he was exiled to, to Patmos Island where he suffered much in many ways. However, to sit on either side of Christ in glory was not Christ's to give. Rather, it would be reserved for those for whom it was appointed. Now, all of us know that we should not be asking the Lord in prayer for foolish things, for carnal things, for worldly things. You don't come to God and say, Lord, I, well, I would love to be wealthy. Give me a million pounds in the bank. You don't say, Lord, give me a, a sports car or I want to be a king over a, a nation or I want to live in a great mansion. But you know, there's an application to God's work too. James and John wanted to sit on either side of Christ. And you might say, 
But that's not a bad thing. To be near the Lord, to be right up close to Him, to rest on His bosom as John did at the Last Supper, surely that was a good thing. And it certainly should be our constant desire. Lord, keep me near the Savior. Don't let me stray. I want to abide in His presence. I, I want to get as close to Him as it is possible for me to do so. But of course, there was more to it. The, these men wanted the highest position. Do I desire to be a minister or a missionary or an elder or a deacon or maybe the moderator of the presbytery? or the chairman of some committee or board, please know there's at least an application here that we should not miss. It shall be given to them for whom it is appointed. You see, it's God that raises up men. It's God that chooses leaders. It's God that ordains pastors. It's God that sends forth ambassadors as missionaries to other countries. It's God who appoints elders and deacons and, and other workers within the church. And so let us submit ourselves to, to Him, to His omnipotent will. Let us resign ourselves to the fact that God makes these appointments. Notice fifthly, <coughs> very quickly, the annoyance of the other disciples. Verse 41, when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. <coughs> you see, selfish, carnal desires often bring a, a spirit of annoyance and division. They tend to divide even Christians. When people feel their own importance, when they, they push themselves to the fore, when they seek to, to dominate <coughs> and control and, and desire authority and position. It's not a good thing. It's not a humble thing. It's not a godly thing. It's like somebody bumping the queue, as we would talk about. And you get that at airports. You ever, you ever been in the line in an airport and uh, somebody from way back there just comes up in front of you? M might, might just annoy you. Wouldn't annoy me, really, but it might just... I've seen, I've seen a little bit of aggravation when that happens. Or maybe when you're just about to reverse into a car park space, somebody else comes up behind you, knowing what you're going to do, and they drive into it, you know? They, they, they feel they're more important than you, and they need that space more than you do. Well, you know what it's like when people put themselves first, and they push themselves forward in a carnal way. And this happens. Happens in every sphere of life, in school life, in university life, in business life, in civic life in the community, <clears throat> even in, in church life. And what happens? Well, we see it here. It brings annoyance. The Christian ought to know better. James and John ought to have known better. The Lord had taught them humility, <coughs> both by precept and by example, the words that he said, and also they saw it in his life. I finish with the advice of the Savior because he does give advice here from verse 42 onwards. 
Jesus called them to him. These men that are pretty much annoyed with James and John. And he saith to them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Can I summarize what the Lord is saying here? You know, the Lord is just simply teaching humility. It's as simple as that. Jesus says, you will find this attitude in the world among the Gentiles. They have a desire for position and, and status and power and authority, but not, not so with you. The church does not operate the way that the world does. And Jesus tells them, whoever wants to be the greatest, be the minister. He takes the servant position. And whoever wants to be the big chief, become the servant of all. And do you know what? The Lord uses himself as an example. The Christ of God, he that is God manifested in human flesh in his humility coming into this world. Jesus says to these men in verse 45, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Real ministry, true service, the best kind of position is working for the good of others ministering for the benefit of your fellow Christians and others in the church and in the community. Yes, apostles and, and disciples, just like ministers and elders, have position. They exercise the authority that God has given to them according to God's Word. But first, we are servants. Servants to Christ and servants to one another in this congregation. It's not what I can receive. It's what I can give. Christ gave us all. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And of course, that's the highest expression of service when an individual might do that. I finish today with a quotation from Bishop J.C. Ryle. Let all who desire to please Christ watch and pray against self-esteem. It is a feeling which is deeply rooted in our hearts. Thousands have come out from the world, taken up the cross, professed to forsake their own righteousness and believe in Christ, who have felt irritated and annoyed when a brother has been more honored than themselves. These things ought not to be so. We ought often to ponder the words of Paul, let nothing be done through strife for vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Philippines 2 and 3. Blessed is that man 
who can sincerely rejoice when others are exalted, though he himself is overlooked and passed by. That's a great summary, I think, of what the Lord has been teaching here in this passage of Scripture. May the Lord give our hearts over to it and live by it. And may the Lord teach us what true humility is. We sing the hymn, which is in keeping with what I'm saying to you now, 419. <clears throat> may the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day by His love and power controlling all I do and say. Let's rise to sing. beautiful hymn. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win. And may they forget the channel. We want to be forgotten, seeing only him, that Christ might be seen in us. Heavenly Father, bless your word to every heart. Use this message for your glory. Search out all of our hearts this day. Help us to live like Christ. May his beauty rest upon us. May the mind that was in Christ be in us. May we walk with humility. May we let the Lord appoint his way for us. 
where we should be, what we should be doing, any position that we might have. Lord, have control and work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. And as we dismiss and part from one another today, remember again those that are in need. Some are dying, some are sick, some are recovering from injury, some are so burdened today. Lord, be with your suffering people for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I'll not go to the door. I think I'm probably over the infectious stage, but I'll not go just in case. Don't want to spread it to you. May the Lord bless you, and God willing, we'll see many of you again tonight.